Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and today we are going to talk about nine ways you can level up in 2020. Now, I don't know about you, but it is mind-boggling to think that 2020 is right around the corner. I mean, it feels like 2019 was just starting. We had all these fresh plans for the year, these goals we wanted to set out and accomplish. But man, 2019 is pretty much here and gone, my friends. So now it's time to start looking forward. And I don't know about you, but I'm just, I'm not a huge believer in resolutions. Like if you listen to the data and the research, some will tell you that, you know, 80 to 90% of all New Year's resolutions are broken by the end of January, which, you know, doesn't bode very well for the whole New Year resolution camp. But I will tell you this, just because I don't like setting resolutions doesn't mean I don't enjoy reflecting on the previous year, like December this is the best time to look back and critically evaluate like what went well this year. Where did I do well? Where did I improve my life? And what do I need to do to continue to grow and evolve going forward? And I know this is something I've talked about in earlier editions of the show, but I think in life, we're always trying to find this balance of like being genuinely okay with who we are and where we're at and acknowledging our success and giving ourselves and showing ourselves a little bit of grace. But at the same time, wanting to become more over the years. And I think it's this healthy balance that you have to strike. You know, being okay with where you're at and celebrating the fact that you have been successful and that you have grown and evolved over the last year, but also knowing that your journey's not done and you want to continue to get better. And so that's what this show is going to be all about. So without any further ado, let's talk about nine ways that you can level up in 2020. And the first thing that we're going to talk about, number one, in 2020, I want you to focus on one training goal, not 10, not 15, not 20, at least to start the year, I want you to focus on one goal. And this is something that I loved about the sport of powerlifting. Powerlifting is incredibly black and white, other than if you're maybe judging a squatter's depth, right, which seems to be a lot of of gray area. But by and large, when you're talking about powerlifting, the criteria are incredibly simple. How much weight did you squat, bench, or deadlift? Did you get better? Week to week, month to month, year to year, meet to meet. And so when your only goal is to get stronger, it makes everything else so much easier. You don't have to worry about, you know, all these other things like developing speed or developing power or developing conditioning. You are based and judged solely on how much weight you can lift, how strong you are. And so when I think back, like some of my best training was when I was into powerlifting, 2000 to 2005, again, from like 2010 to 2012. I recaptured that magic in that that second time period just because I was so focused and I was so clear on what my training was geared towards. So it reminds me of this, this quote, the man who chases two rabbits catches neither. This is probably no more true in training than anywhere else because look, what do we see nowadays? People want to you know, shed body fat. They want to build muscle. They want to improve their movement capacity and their movement quality. They want to get stronger and they want to improve conditioning all at the same time. Look, we all know that just doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. And the only person that it does work for is a total newbie. So, you know, can you have all th- those things? Yes. But you have to set up your program in such a way that you build on them over the course of weeks, months, and years. Right? So don't try and be everything to everyone all the time. The person that does that in their programming is ultimately not going to be successful. So 
here's a really deep question that I think will also make your life incredibly easy when it comes to trading. If you could only accomplish one goal in the first three months of 2020, what would it be? I don't care what it is, whether it's shedding body fat, improving movement quality, getting stronger, building muscle. What is your one goal for those first three months? And then I want you to ask yourself, what would you have to change about your training to help you get there? How are you going to set up a program that will help you achieve that goal for those first three months? Guarantee if you start with just that one simple thing, the start of your training year is going to be absolutely killer. So start thinking about that right now. If you can only accomplish one goal in your training for the first three months of 2020, what would it be and how would you have to train to achieve it? All right. So that's number one. Focus on one training goal. Number two, this is going to sound simple, but you need it. Get more high quality sleep. Now notice I kind of snuck quantity and quality into that. But for me personally, 2019 was all about sleep. My training, you know, like was pretty good. It's been pretty consistent for most of my life. There's been periods of time where it it might fall off a little bit, but generally training is a habit that is highly ingrained in me. Eating well is again, something that I've done for 15 to 20 years pretty consistently. Again, we all have our moments, but by and large, that was dialed in. So it was really confusing for me last year when I went in and did this really like comprehensive blood panel. I mean, it was crazy, like 13 or 14 vials of blood. The lady who was drawing the blood was like, oh, well, I'm just a little nervous because I've never had to draw this much from somebody at one time, which doesn't exactly make you feel calm or serene when you're walking into uh, you know, the blood person. I can't think of their name, pathologist, whatever their name is. I was a little freaked out too, but I get this blood work back and, you know, I just kind of been feeling lethargic. I hadn't been feeling great, but it had been like this kind of slow trickle downwards, right? It wasn't like just one day I felt awful. It was just like this slow kind of de-evolution, if you will. And so I get the blood work back and man, my adrenal function was kind of jacked, which I kind of understood because I was a pretty big caffeine abuser back in the day, but the adrenal function was down. For a dude, the testosterone was lower than it should have been. So like these were all like these massive wake up calls. And so for me, I had to like look critically at, okay, if training's dialed in and nutrition's dialed in, what does that leave me? That leaves me recovery and mindset. So for me, sleep was the first thing that I wanted to attack. And the frustrating thing here was that, you know, I preached this for years, right? In my annual training group. We have like three or four months where we dedicate strictly to improving sleep quantity and sleep quality, but I think I was preaching it versus practicing it. And as a trainer or coach, you know, you just can't do this, right? You can't know what to do and then not do it yourself because now you're a hypocrite. So for me, it was about being authentic, not only in my writing and in the way that I coach my clients and athletes, but being authentic with myself. So I needed some accountability, and one of my Christmas presents from Jess last year was an aura ring. Now, the great thing about the aura ring was it's, you know, pretty darn objective, right? It's not like another human that's going to say, oh, well, I don't feel like you slept well, or it's not going to be like me, right? Because I could say, oh, well, I could get by on five hours of sleep, or I could just have a little bit more caffeine. That won't impact me. No, this is incredibly objective, and, you know, we're going to talk more about accountability here in a minute but it gave me some much needed objective feedback. So I only know, so I not only knew what was working, but I could also figure out what wasn't working 
or what negatively impacted my sleep. Because, you know, there are plenty of days where I might get enough sleep or I'd feel like, oh, you know, I feel like that was pretty decent. But now, like right or wrong, it gives me an exact number of hours that I slept. It gives me ideas to how much deep sleep I was getting, which was awful. When I started last year, I was getting 40 to 45 minutes of deep sleep a night. And now I'm anywhere generally between an hour and 20 minutes and two hours a night. So huge difference there. But again, when we talk about what's not working, I found this really interesting because when I start tracking it and I start getting this objective feedback, it's really fascinating in the fact that maybe I only sleep six hours, right? And if I do all my nighttime stuff, my pre-bed routine, my sleep hygiene, all that good stuff, I can sleep six hours and I may not be totally rested and I didn't get enough quantity of sleep, but man, the quality was on point. Maybe I'm getting that hour and a half of rim, that hour and a half of deep. So ultimately it ends up being okay. You don't want to be there forever, but you're doing pretty well. Versus what I found fascinating was the fact if I had one glass of wine, maybe an hour to two hours before bed, my sleep was jacked. Maybe I'd get some deep, but my overall restfulness was way down. My resting heart rate was up most of the night or would trail off at the very end of the night. My HRV would be down. So now it's like, okay, yeah, that glass of wine does feel and taste really tasty, you know, some nights, but it's negatively impacting my sleep and my recovery. So, you know, by and large, that's something that I've cut out, you know, and it, look, it was like a one or two time a week thing then. So now it's just a lot of weeks. I just don't have that glass of wine before bed, but circling back here, it's all about that objectivity. And it's being able to say very clearly, look, this is working. This is not working. And then making, you know, in this case, some tough life decisions, because, you know, you don't want to have at 41, you know, poor adrenal health and low testosterone and all these things. Like now is not the time for that to happen because it's only going to get worse. So when it comes to sleep, I don't want to just tell you that, hey, go out and get more high quality sleep and leave it at that. Some good resources that I would strongly recommend right here on the podcast. I did a big sleep podcast that dives into a lot of this stuff and gives some really practical advice on the things that I've changed over the last year that have made a difference. A second would be the podcast that I did with Nick Littlehales, because you talk about a dialed in practical practitioner when it comes to sleep. Nick is that guy. I don't need 30 or 50 studies referenced to know that sleep is important. What I need are some practical tips that I can use to help me get better sleep. So his podcast and then his book, Sleep, you know, very, very, uh, fancy name there, but it's just called Sleep, The Myth of Eight Hours, is a fantastic read. And again, just gives you tons of practical advice. So, you know, if I can summarize this, if you aren't recovering like you'd like, if you aren't in the kind of shape that you'd like to be in, whether that's not building muscle, you know, carrying more body fat than you'd like, not building as much strength as you'd like, bottom line, if you're not performing at the level you'd like in life, make sleep a focus because I guarantee it will have a massive impact on how you feel, how you look, and how you perform. Number three, hire a trainer, coach, or mentor. And if we circle back to powerlifting, because I just think for me, sports and powerlifting, they're just, they're such great teachers, life lessons. And, you know, from 2000 to 2005, I I had a powerlifting team and I had people that I worked out with. But from 2010 to 2012, I was writing my own programs and doing okay. But after I did that meet in 2011, I realized like, look, man, I'm running a gym. 
I'm doing all the stuff for Robertson Training Systems. Like, I need to hire a coach. So I hired a guy by the name of Mike Tusher. I had him on the old podcast. I don't think he's been on this one, so I might need to track Mike down at some point in time. But just a guy that philosophically really jived with me. I loved his thought process. I loved how analytical and detailed he was when it came to breaking down the lifts and writing programs. And so for, it was a short period of time, but for just three months, I trained with Mike and I was absolutely blown away at the amount of progress that I'd made. And when you're taking your competitive lifts and in three months, basically being able to take those same numbers and doing it for a double or a triple, you know, something's working, right? So my performance absolutely exploded. And so for me, if 2019 was the year of sleep, 2020 is going to be the year of mentoring and coaching. And I, I just started thinking about this in the last couple of weeks, but every time that I've been successful in my life or that I've exceeded my own expectations is when I've had people guiding me. So when we opened iFast, we had Alan Cosgrove in our corner, like attending his seminars. I was emailing him regularly, like he was my guy. Is that as the business evolved and I was around Pat Rigsby more, he became my guy. You know, when I was powerlifting and when I was making those massive strides, Mike Tusherer was coaching me. So perhaps more importantly, it's really hard to let other people down. And here's what I mean by that. I think it's, it's odd, but sometimes, and I'm guilty of this myself, it's very easy to make a promise to yourself and then not keep it. All right, we've all done it. We've all said, I'm going to do this because it's important to me. And then that day comes or you're supposed to do that thing and it doesn't happen, right? And it doesn't feel good. But for whatever reason, if we are working with somebody else, now it's not just you you're letting down, but you're letting them down as well. So I started thinking about this a lot lately. And like, let's be honest, it's okay to buy accountability. There's only so many hours in the day Sometimes we need somebody else to be accountable to, right? And sometimes there's the financial piece of it. A lot of times when you're paying for a trainer, a coach, or mentor, there's a cash transaction that's involved. I just had this conversation with a guy that was coming into IFAST the other day. It was really interesting because he's you know, talking to me. He's like, these are my goals. This is what I want to do. And he said, well, what about price? And I said, well, this is the price. He's like, oh, that's perfect. And let's be honest here, we're iFast, and I'd like to think we're going to be uh, a little bit more expensive, you know, option than a lot of choices out there, right? And so I said, oh, why do you say that? He's like, well, you know, I don't want something cheap. You know, $30 a month being a member at, you know, XYZ Gym isn't working for me. I need somebody and a price point that's going to make me feel a little bit of pain if I don't show up. So what he was saying was that he wanted to pay not only for coaching, but he was paying for accountability. And so I think that's a really interesting way to look at things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, look, I've just flat out said, that's what I'm going to do this year. You know, for myself, I'm going to talk to Bill. Bill and I are going to try and find some times where we can sit down and he can do some things with me because I'm not where I want to be as a program designer, as a coach. I know I have more to learn. So in the training side, I'm going to go to him. When it comes to RTS and iFast, you know, I'm going to, you know, continue to work with Pat and I'm going to try and take that to another level because look, I got a lot of things on my plate and sometimes a coach can just help you ignore the stuff that's not important and really redouble your efforts on the things that give you maximum impact or maximum value. So for me, like I offer training 
I offer coaching. I offer mentorship because I know it's valuable. So <laughs> it just makes sense. If I know they're valuable, why am I not investing in myself in all of those areas as well? So to give you guys something to work with here, you know, maybe you know or you think you should hire a trainer, a coach, or a mentor, you know, start with this. What's a weak area of your life? What is a pain point that is bothering you? What is something you want to improve upon? And then ask yourself, whom could you hire or who could you bring onto your team to help address that issue? And look, I think it's something that we massively struggle with these days in a lot of professions, but for some reason, especially in our profession, we struggle to ask others for help. We're the first to offer our own services and offer to help others. And we're so selfless in our nature, but we don't think, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just not, it's not even not thinking. Maybe it's just, we don't have the courage to ask others for help. And we look at it as a sign of weakness and we can't do that. So in 2020, hire a trainer, hire a coach, hire a mentor, because those people can help fast track your progress going forward. Number four, I want you to dedicate 30 minutes per day to continuing education. Now, if you're doing like two minutes a day or in worst case scenario, zero minutes a day, you don't have to start with 30 minutes. Robert Greene, one of my favorite authors, and in his book, Mastery, one of the things that he talks about is when the brain goes stale. So what happens over time is when we're starting out in a field, we're obsessed with learning more. We want to you know, constantly ask questions and everything is new and shiny and we're constantly trying to figure out, okay, what works, what doesn't, what makes sense in my philosophy, what doesn't make sense, how do I need to change things? And so it's a really fun time when we're getting started because everything is new and exciting. But what tends to happen is over the years, the brain kind of dries up a little bit. We get comfortable. We stop asking questions. We get kind of lax. And what's interesting is not only does like a little part of us kind of die when that happens, but people around us can sense that as well. I thought that was so fascinating. So like the people that you work with, your clients, your athletes, if you work in a big facility or a big team setting, your peers, they can pick up on that. And I never thought of it in that way, but it made perfect sense because I've been there, right? Like the last year or so, you know, things had kind of gotten ho-hum, I feel like for me. And it wasn't until I, intens- I, I went to Bill's Intensive that I was like, okay, yes, like this is exactly what I needed. It kind of rejuvenated me. It's got me thinking more creatively now. I'm constantly asking and re-asking myself questions. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know that you should be doing Con Ed, right? Like if you listen to this show, you know Con Ed is an important thing. But what a lot of people struggle with and this is people that I talk to on Instagram or Facebook or face-to-face or my mentees, they'll, they'll ask me, okay, I know I need to be studying something, but what should I be studying? So I'm going to give you an, an interesting answer first. So for starters, I'm going to say you should study anything that interests you, even if it's not training related. And here's why. Number one, studying anything will get you back into that creative mindset. It's going to get your brain working again. It's going to open up new thought processes. And what's fun and cool is the fact that when you start reading things that you're interested in, if you have you know, a certain type of brain, which again, I'm assuming you do, but you start thinking about how it applies to World War II or the assembly line or pop psychology, and then you start to take all that and you bring it back into the training world. And you start to think, 
And that applies perfectly to this scenario with this person, or this would work great in our business. So if you're struggling to find something in the training field that's interesting to you, don't start with training stuff. Read something that's interesting to you and then let your brain start to free associate, right? And open up that creative well. Another thing you can start with is areas of weakness. If you're unclear, hey, we all probably know when a client has asked us a question and we're like, ooh, yeah, that's not really something I'm comfortable talking about. Perfect. Start there, right? You don't have to become a world-renowned expert, but bring up those weaknesses. Bring up those lagging or sticking points. It's just like a power lifter. You know, if there's a certain area or a certain portion of the lift you're weak in, that's where you focus your energy, all right? So you could focus on your weaknesses. You could focus on just areas of curiosity within the field. And maybe it's not a direct correlation if you're, you know, working with power lifters, maybe mobility isn't a direct correlation, but there's enough of it there that's important that will help carry over. So find things that you're curious in. But here's another tool that I think you may enjoy, especially if you're struggling to stay interested in the old, I'm going to watch this webinar, I'm going to watch this certification video, or I'm going to read this book. If you're struggling with that, I don't, I can't call it the Mike Robertson Q&A process, but it's something that I do that I think you'd benefit from. What I want you to start doing is jotting down questions that come in your brain. And I just do it on the notes app of my iPhone because I have access to that on my iPad, on my laptop, on my phone, so I can constantly hit the same file. And so what I'm doing is creating this list of questions that I will ask most likely Bill (laughs) at some point in time, whether he knows it or not. But before I ask Bill, I am going to struggle myself first. So instead of just taking this list and going and asking Bill and relying on him to give me an answer, I am going to go through this list and I'm going to come up with all the feasible answers or plausible explanations that I can come with on my own first. So that way I have really thought about this question and thought about all the potential applications or ramifications and all the things that might influence my answer. So that way, if I go to Bill, you know, at the very least, I've thought about this, right? And I've got some skin in the game. And if he tells me something that agrees with it, great. Then I came to the right conclusion. And if I didn't, okay, maybe I need to rethink this, or maybe he's got a different viewpoint. But now it just, you're so much more likely to internalize the information versus if somebody just comes to you with 20 questions and they haven't thought about it and they just are relying on you to give them an answer, it's not going to really be that meaningful to them. All right. So here's what I want you to do, because I love actionable items. If you're going to start dedicating 30 minutes a day to your con ed, I want you to start by scheduling or blocking out this time on your calendar. Make it like any other appointment, right? You schedule your training sessions, you schedule your workouts, you schedule family time. I want you to start scheduling this. And, you know, maybe you're a first thing in the morning person. Great. Set your alarm 20 minutes, 30 minutes early to start and then knock it out. Maybe you need to be what I call a reverse alarmer. So, you know, before I go to bed, sometimes I'll, you know, look at my phone or I'll watch some TV but I've got a reverse alarm that goes off about 90 minutes before bed that tells me, hey, time to do all the bedtime stuff, and 30 minutes of that is generally con ed or this deep thinking type work. But at the end of the day, let's say you don't wanna do 30 minutes or you can't fathom doing 30 minutes. All I want you to do for now is get in the habit. Start with as little as five minutes if necessary. It could be from nine o'clock to 9.05. 
or if you're in the morning, it could be from 6.30 to 6.35. Pick something up, watch a short video. You know, I mean, hell, Bill's putting out a new video. It feels like every day right now. So find something to just throw in your brain every single day. Start just regenerating that creative process. Be excited about training and coaching again. But start with as little as five minutes a day and make it your goal over the course of the year. Build that habit muscle. Build that con ed muscle. And by the end of 2020, aspire to do at least 30 minutes of con ed every day. Okay? Number five. This is going to be uh, an interesting one. And I'm expecting to get a little bit of blowback from it. But I want you to spend less than 30 minutes per day on social media. Now, what really made me start thinking about this, because I have a massive love-hate relationship with social media in general. I love being able to connect with so many people. I love being able to interact with my athletes when they're thousands of miles away. I love seeing what my friends and family are up to when I'm not around. Like I love that side of it, but I hate other elements of it. I hate the connectivity. I hate the fact that everybody expects a reply within 10 seconds of writing you. I hate the curated feel of everything, and it took me 3,879 pictures to get this one that I then used five different filters to make it look the way that I want. Like, I hate that part of it. But it really struck me a couple weeks ago when Jess and I were celebrating our 15th year wedding anniversary. We went to Louisville, saw Chris Stapleton, stayed at a, a nice hotel that night, and the next morning I went down to get a coffee. And this guy who appeared to be the manager at Starbucks was talking to his staff. He's like, oh, check this out. This, this app says that I'm on my phone six hours and 23 minutes every single day. Man, I just, I had to pause and just think about that for a minute. Like think about spending a quarter, literally over 25% of your day on your phone every day. And if that's the case, how much of that time is just mindlessly scrolling on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever platforms are out there that I don't even know about, right? So in this day and age, information, opportunity, I love it, but we're always focusing on doing more. And it reminds me, years ago, we had Brett Jones come in and he did a presentation on kettlebell training at what back then was our Midwest Performance Enhancement Seminar. And Brett was talking about, okay, great. You want to incorporate kettlebells into your lift. Love it. What's the first thing you're going to take out? And that really struck a chord with me. He's like, you can't continue to add, 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 add. If you're going to add something, you need to subtract something. So if you want to do more of something in your life, right, whether it's getting more quality sleep, better workouts, more con ed, you've got to remove something. So if I'm going to ask you to do more con ed, I am now going to ask you to take something away. And in this case, it would spend, be to spend less time on social media. So you got to ask yourself some some tough questions here. Where are you wasting precious time and energy? What are you getting from that time on social? Is it serving you? Does it make you feel good about yourself? And quite honestly, this this is my litmus test for when I get off or when I turn social media off. I'll be on Instagram for generally two to three minutes and I'll start looking at it and I'll start to see stuff and I can literally feel from the inside out things changing. I feel like these feelings of, I don't want to say anger, but like inadequacy or lack. And I'm like, that's not how I should feel. And I turn it off and it's done. So it reminds me also of the podcast that I did with Mark Fisher years ago. And here's a way that you can shift your mindset around social. For me, social is more about creation 
versus consumption. So think about that for a minute. If you're a trainer or you're a coach and you're using Instagram as a tool to leverage your business or to let people know more about what you do, use it as a tool of creation, right? Creating content, finding ways to connect with your clients and athletes, educating the people that follow you versus just consuming and seeing, you know, the thousand squatting videos that are on there or the 500, you know, movement workout flows that have been posted today, like use it as a tool to create and to connect versus simply to consume. And best practical strategy I know to do this is to use the the screen time app on your phone. You know, I've got mine set for 30 minutes. Chances are you set that the first day, you're going to be shocked at how much time you spend on social and more importantly, you know, how early in the day that you hit that 30 minute mark. I mean, there were days that, you know, literally I'd start at 7 a.m. and I'd maybe like look for a couple minutes and sitting at a light and traffic for a couple minutes. Dude, it was 10 a.m. and I was already at 30 minutes. So it just gives you some real context as to how much time you're spending, or I would argue how much time you are wasting on social media. So here is your actionable item. Do this right now. Set your smartphone to 30 minutes of social media use per day. Guaranteed, it's going to be hard at first. You're going to want to keep refreshing or turning your phone on and off or just ignoring the limit, but try it. See if you can do it. You're going to fail. I'm totally okay with that. But I guarantee if you can get down to 30 minutes per day, you are going to get so much more done. You're going to feel better about yourself and you're going to be focused more on what's truly important in life versus what people on the internet are telling you is important. Number six, meditate daily. So we got some daily things here, right? Like, so start to do con ed daily, reduce your social media use and screen time. Now I want you to think about meditating daily. And if you've listened to the show for more than a month or two, you've probably heard me talk about my whole path with meditation. Literally, I would start, I would stop. I'd start and I'd stop. And this went off and on for at least six to eight years. So what basically turned this around for me was one of my distance clients, Sandy, who comes in once a month and and trains with me. She was getting into it and, you know, she would notice because we were buddies on Headspace and she would say, uh, you know, like what's going on? Like you're really good for a week and then you're off for a week and good for a week and off for a week. I mean, I just, I don't always have 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. I, I can't always dedicate that or I can't make that happen. And she said something really profound. She's like, you know, you can do as little as one minute a day. You know, Headspace has like one minute meditations where you just breathe and kind of reset. And that simple conversation changed everything for me in a lot of ways because, you know, meditation is one of the single best things that you can do for your brain, your body, and your overall health and well-being. It's one of the, like, we know this. We know training is important. We know nutrition is important. We know sleep's important. Nowadays, we know meditation is important, but we don't always find the time or more importantly, make the time to make it happen. So what I would challenge you to do, if it's a struggle right now, don't make it overly complicated or difficult. You don't have to chant a mantra or anything like that. Like just start with one or two minutes a day. Headspace is the platform that I use. Calm is another good one, but one or two minutes. Start with something. Start building that habit. It's like anything else, right? If you need to schedule it, like your work, your, you know, your training, your, you know, family time, whatever it is, schedule it, but get it done. Another thing that I think is really valuable here, and this is where the accountability comes into play, 
but find a meditation buddy. It's kind of like the softer level of, of commitment than hiring a coach or a trainer or something like that, but get an accountability buddy, somebody else that wants to get in that routine. But at the end of the day, you got to make it happen. And I'm reminded of this Zen saying, and it goes something like this. You should sit in meditation for 20 minutes a day. Unless you're too busy, then you should sit for an hour. And if you think about that for a minute, it's really profound. Like if you don't have, in their case, 20 minutes a day to sit down, like you're that stressed, you're that anxious, you got that much going on, you really need like an hour, right? You got to reset yourself. And if we want to adapt it in today's terms, you know, look, if you don't have five minutes to start meditating, you better carve out 15 to 20. (laughs) But don't let any of that hold you down. Don't let that overwhelm you. Start with a minute or two. Start building that habit muscle. Start doing it every single day. And I don't care how you do it, whether it's setting an alarm, whether it's tying it to a certain time of day, like immediately before, after lunch, first thing when you wake up in the morning, those are those are specifics, and I'm less worried about that. In general, just focus on trying to get that meditation in every day. Number seven, again, this one may be tough for some of you, but get outside on a daily basis. And I've noticed this in my own life, but there are specific times when I'm feeling down or I'm feeling glum, and I can generally track it back to one of two things. Either number one, I'm not consistent in my workout routine, or number two, I'm just inside too much and sitting around too much. And so for me, it's very simple. If I go and I get a good workout in, boom, I feel better. Or if it's not a training day, I just need to get outside. And this isn't the ideal time of day to hear that, but or time of year, but look, I don't care if it's like 30 degrees out. You can put on a winter jacket, you can put on a warm hat, and just five, 10 minutes in the fresh air, walk around the block one time, you're shocked at how much better your body feels. And sure, this is easier, right, if you live in Florida or Arizona or California, but, you know, again, with just a little bit of work, you can do this in a cold climate. In some cases, I actually feel better doing it when it's cold. I feel more rejuvenated, like that cold air on my face, on my body, it's like, ooh, kind of reconnects you with nature, reconnects you with what's going on in the world. And I don't know about you, but I actually feel so much better when I do that. Even if it's freezing outside, I come back in and now it's like, oh, little kickstart to the system without caffeine or, you know, whatever kind of stimulants you may be using. Like it just reinvigorates you and it makes you feel better. So keep this simple. Get outside every single day, even for as little as five minutes. I know you're going to feel better as a result. So lots of daily things, but I got two more. And this next one is probably the most resolution focused of the bunch. But number eight for 2020, I want you to set a mix of outcome and process-based goals. When I was getting started as a coach and when I was getting started in business, I was like obsessed with outcome-based goals. In the powerlifting days, it was I want to be able to squat X, bench press Y and deadlift Z at my next meet. When it came to the business, when we opened iFast, I wanted to have X amount of revenue in our receivables base every month so that we could cover all of our rent and utilities and costs and still be able to pay ourselves at the end of the month. But here's the thing with the outcome-based goals, we can't always determine the outcome. In fact, we can do all of the right things but for some reason still fall short of the mark. So at this point in time, I really like having this blend of outcome and 
process-based goals. So if you're unfamiliar with this topic, I'm going to do a kind of mini deep dive into this because I think it'll be it'll be impactful for you and something that you'll want to use going forward. So outcome-based goals are still beneficial. I don't care what anybody says. I think there's still value in setting an outcome-based goal, especially because numbers can help drive us. They're objective, right? So when I have an outcome-based goal and it could be something that I want to do for my training or for my business, you know, it makes sure that I'm thinking big enough, that I'm challenging myself, right? Because sometimes when you just do the process-based stuff, you're not, you're not pushing yourself as much as you should because you don't have that big goal, that stretch goal that you have to really try and focus on to achieve. So I like to have something objective to track and to measure against, something that's making sure that I'm pushing myself to my limits going forward. So all an outcome-based goal is, is generally something that's more numbers-based, right? What is the outcome of this? Is it a certain amount of revenue? Is it a certain lift or pounds in my lift? Is a certain body fat percentage? Those are outcome-based goals. Now, like I just said, sometimes you can't control that. Sometimes you can do all the right things and not achieve the outcome that you want. So that's where the process-based goals come into play. So I like to set those because it ensures that I have the habits in place to actually achieve those goals. So, you know, whether it's squatting X amount of pounds or having Y amount of money as my receivables base, a lot of those things are more lagging indicators. It's not current. It's like it's lagging in the sense that those are things, things that I did in the past have built me to that point. So you don't see their impact immediately. So what I want you to do is focus on the process of making stuff happen versus simply hoping it will happen. So I got a couple examples here. So in a business sense, let's say you open a training gym. You want to make $20,000 in gross profit this year. 20,000, sorry, that would be really bad. Let's say you wanna, you wanna make $200,000 in gross profit this year, all right? So that's your outcome-based goal. That's your numbers-based goal. Now. Process-based goals, how can we set the wheels in motion to achieve that? Well, I could start with, I'm gonna email my list three times a week, really basic. I'm gonna email my list three times a week and I'm gonna have some sort of offer in each of those emails. You could say, I'm gonna set up 10 success sessions per month. So 10 times per month, I'm gonna have somebody in my gym that I can sell training to. You could say, I'm gonna send out a direct mail piece each month or I'm gonna set up one new Facebook or Instagram ad every month, right? These are process-based goals, things that will help you achieve that that big goal of making $200,000 in revenue, right? So there's one example. Now, let's say in the training sense, you wanna squat 300 pounds. So the 300 pounds is our outcome-based goal. When we talk about the process, what, what processes can we put in place to help us achieve that? We could say, well, I'm gonna train three times a week and I'm gonna squat twice a week. You know, one front squat session, one back squat session. I could say recovery has been an issue in the past, so I'm gonna get a massage one time per month. I'm gonna eat nutritious meals 80% of the time. So these are things that you can track and account for on a regular basis that will help you determine, are they helping me achieve my outcome-based goal? So that's what's fun about this is You know, at the end of the three months, six months, year, you can check that box up. Did I achieve this goal or not? Yes or no. But even if you don't, the process-based goals help you ensure, you know, I'm doing something every day to feel accountable to my body, to my business, 
that is helping push me forward and helping me stay on track so that I can hit that goal. Because that's one of the big things, right? When you set a huge goal, you know, I'm going to make $200,000 this year in my business. You know, what if you only make like 15K your first month? Like you feel like a failure, right? Or what, like, let's say you make 10K. Now you're like way behind, right? At the start of the year. Well, maybe it's just going to take some time right? And you have to stay focused on that goal. Or uh, on the flip side, I've seen this happen too. Let's say you make it your goal to hit 200K in revenue. In that first month, you just crush it. Like you do all the right things and you sell 35, 40K in business in that first month. Well, now you're just sitting, you know, like basically envision sitting in your office, like with your shades on, heat lamp on you, sipping a Mai Tai. You're doing that for the next four months. Well, now you're basically you know, wasting all of that time because you had such a profitable first month. Okay. So the process-based goals help keep you focused. They help keep you on track over the long haul. And they help you ensure that you're doing things on a regular basis to help you hit those outcome-based goals. So for this one, here's what I want you to do. Hopefully you already have an idea as to some loose goals that you want to have for yourself. And it doesn't matter. It could be for your body, your business, you know, your family life, whatever the case may be. But I want you to find a way to create both outcome or objective ways to measure it, as well as process-focused ways to build you up to that point. So any objective or outcome-based goal that you have has to have process-based goals with it. And I think if you do that, you're going to be very pleasantly surprised with where you end, doesn't matter, the next three months, the six months, or the next year. Last but not least, number nine, and I'm not going to draw this one out too much, but have more fun. And I know I've talked about this on this show more than a handful of times because it's so important. So yesterday we did Italian Thanksgiving with my in-laws and people said, oh, you guys are, no, not at all. We're not even close to being Italian, but they wanted to do something different. So we had lasagna and we had pizza and we had garlic bread. So we had Italian Thanksgiving and we're hanging out and Unfortunately, (laughs) what always happens to me if I eat this massive uh, amount of carbohydrates is I am ready for that nap about 30 minutes later. So, you know, I had all of the lasagna, all the pizza. My wife made this amazing pumpkin cake that I love. And so about 30 minutes after that, I'm like comatose on the couch. And so I'm laying there for a minute and then Kendall comes in and she is like a crazy person like legitimately going bonkers. She's like, I'm really feisty. And she's got her eyes like peeled back. Like, you know, she's on drugs. Well, all she really had was two huge chocolate chip cookies. And so for the next 30 minutes, her and Cade deemed that they were going to wage war on me. So all they did was run in and jump on me and I would tickle them and then they would run away and they would come in and jump on me and try and tickle me and then I would tickle them and they would run away. But it was like so much fun and it sounds probably really stupid to you or really dumb, but like to me, it was a lot of fun. So as we get older, it's just so easy to get too serious. We're serious about our jobs. We're serious about our work. We're serious about raising our family or just at the end of the day to take ourselves too seriously. And I always come back to this quote of take your work seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. So, and what I mean by that is take your work, like take pride in your work, take pride in doing great work, take pride in making yourself better every day. But even at work, don't be serious. You don't have to be so stuffy, like enjoy your time with your clients and athletes. When you come home, enjoy your time with your family, your friends, your loved ones. At the end of the day, enjoy life, have fun, get out and experience things. Don't live in a shell. 
you know? So I would ask you, or I would challenge you, you know, what things do you enjoy? What do you truly enjoy? What is fun for you? And for me, the things that I would always say when I was a kid, sports, movies, music, those were my three. Whenever somebody asked, what do you enjoy in life? I'd say sports, movies, music. And you know, at this point, let's be honest, sports are a little bit more work-like than I would like just because, I mean, I work with athletes to get paid to play at a high level. And so I watch them and I can watch a game, but also know that there's a business side to that. And I know there's a reason that certain dudes on certain teams are jacking up 25 shots a game because there's a business side to it. So the sports side for me isn't always as much fun as it used to be. I'm finding ways to make it fun again. So for me, man, I love music. I love movies. I love great movies. I love watching movies with my kids. I love spending time with my family. So I need to find things that keep me young, that regenerate my energy, keep me youthful. So, you know, find those things for you. Find those things that regenerate you, that give you your energy back, that make things fun, you know? And at the end of the day, just don't be afraid to relax. Don't be afraid to have fun. Like in this day and age, it's so, so prideful of us to like beat our chest and talk about, oh man, I'm on that grind, 16 hour days, 18 hour days, like team no sleep, I can do it all. Man, that sounds great, but talk to me in about three, six months. And if you're a real dog, talk to me in about two to three years because I can tell you where you're gonna be. I've been there and I've done that, it sucks. So find a way to have fun, work, home, wherever you may be. No one is out there trying to win this like serious contest, right? There's no award for being the most serious professional out there, right? Like have fun, enjoy what you do, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, because life is too short to have it any other way. So my friend, that is it. Nine ways to level up in 2020. If you missed them, I'm gonna run them back one more time. Number one, focus on one training goal. If you can only achieve one thing in those first three months of 2020, what's it gonna be and how are you gonna write a program to help you get there? Number two, get more high quality sleep. Be objective about it. Like there is, there are few things in life that are so universally accepted as getting more sleep and, and how powerful getting enough sleep is. So it doesn't matter whether you want a better body whether you want to get more out of your work life, whether you just want to move and feel better, if you get more sleep, I guarantee it will help you get there. Number three, don't be afraid to ask for help. Hire a trainer, hire a coach, hire a mentor, hire somebody that will help you fast track what it is you want to get out of life. And again, it doesn't matter whether it's your body, your business. If you don't have an answer to something and it is bothering you, hire somebody to help you do it. Yes, it stings using some of your money you know, and we're all in a different place financially, but find a way to hire people to help you, you know, break through those barriers and achieve what you really know you're capable of in 2020. Number four, dedicate 30 minutes per day to Con Ed. Doesn't matter where you're starting at. I don't care if you're at zero minutes right now. Start building the habit muscle. Start with five minutes a day. Do something. Watch a video. Listen to a portion of a podcast. Find some time every single day to put good stuff in your brain. Number five, you're struggling to find that 30 minutes. Here's where you can find it. Spend less than 30 minutes per day on social media. And if you are on social media, especially if you're a trainer or a coach or some sort of professional, lean on the mantra of creation versus consumption. Find ways to educate people, to make them better, to help them live better, richer, more successful lives versus just mindlessly consuming what's put in front of you. Number six, meditate daily. 20 minutes would be great, and that's my goal. Not always there, though. So 
start with a minute or two. If you can't afford a minute or two, you got to take a serious look at your life, where you're allocating time, what's your priority. Everybody can do a minute or two. Again, start building that muscle. Do it a little bit every single day, and over time, work to stretch that out. Number seven, with our theme of daily goals, get outside on a daily basis. Warm, cold, rain, sunshine, doesn't matter. Get outside, get some fresh air every single day. Even if it's just a quick walk around the block, I guarantee you feel better as a result. Number eight, set a mix of outcome and process-based goals. So I love the numbers game. Set objective goals, give yourself hard, challenging targets, make yourself work, but understand that it doesn't always go the way that you want. So set those stretch goals, work and challenge yourself with the objective outcome-based goals, but set process-based goals to help support them, to underpin that, so that ultimately you are constantly focused on the outcome over the course of the year, not just doing an annual review and wondering, oh, why didn't I hit that goal this year? So set that blend of outcome and process-based goals. Last but not least, have fun, man. Just go out. Life is short. Enjoy every minute of it. Enjoy your time at work, at home, whatever it is you're doing. Be all in, all day, every day. So as always, my friend, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. If you got any questions about the show, if you are looking for a trainer or a coach or a mentor, or you need somebody to help guide you, whether it's me or someone else, feel free to reach out to me, Mike at RobertsonTrainingSystems.com. I'd like to thank either I can help you, and if I'm not the person, I know somebody in my network that can because at the end of the day, all I want for you is to make 2020 your absolute best year ever.